the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Salvation means to be rescued from some calamity. What calamity have we been saved from? The calamity that we have been saved from is standing in judgment before God in our sin. The concept of salvation appears more than 100 times in the New Testament, and the study of the doctrine of salvation is called soteriology. And that's where we're headed on this edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. We're coming down toward the conclusion of a series on the doctrines of the church, and we begin today with Pastor Leighton going through just a bit of a review of what we've already covered. I'd like to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 7. Now, we're, we're uh, studying topically, um, and so I'm going to be using a number of uh, passages, um, but I, I want you to read through Romans 7 when we get there uh, with me, so you'll know what it says, you know what it means, you know how it applies, and you know how to find it in the Scripture, because it's going to be such a source of encouragement to you. Uh, we're in a sermon series entitled Doctrine, and doctrine is the, the spiritual truth and teaching that's been passed from generation to generation since the time of the Apostles. The word doctrine means teaching. It refers to what the church teaches and has taught. Sometimes the word is used to, uh, to talk about the teaching of a particular denomination or a particular church. Uh, doctrine and systematic theology are related because systematic theology involves collecting and analyzing relevant passages in the Bible on various topics and then summarizing what the Bible teaches on that topic so we know what to believe and how to act. Now, in this sermon series, the first sermon, we introduced the subject and how important it is to have sound doctrine. And these are, by, by the way, available online at highlands.us. And the second sermon, we focused on the Bible because it's from the Bible that we get sound doctrine. And then in the third sermon, we began our, our focus on the study of God. We learned that God is incomprehensible. He cannot be fully comprehended by us because He is without limit. We are limited. And so we can't know everything there is to know about God. We also learn that God is a triunity or a trinity, and that we can summarize the teaching of Scripture concerning the trinity of God in these three statements. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is one God. Theologians describe God as one in essence and three in person. In the next sermon on the series, we were reminded that the goal is to know God, not just know about God. But in order for us to know someone, we need to know something about them. If we say we know somebody and we know nothing about them, we really don't know them. And so we looked at what the Scripture had to say about what we can know about God, His characteristics, His attributes, and so forth. And then in the next sermon, we studied the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And the Apostles' Creed identifies certain essential doctrines concerning Jesus. There is His virgin birth. Sinlessness, deity, humanity, atoning death, bodily resurrection, bodily ascension, intercession, and second coming. Now these are what we discussed when last we got together. These are doctrines that describe what Jesus did, but why did Jesus do them? 
They described what he did, but why did Jesus do them? Let me give you the short answer. He did them to save or rescue creation and mankind from the results of sin, to restore relationship and make all things new. He did it to save us. He did it to save us. We have been saved. Now, some out there might ask the question, well, what have we been saved from? Salvation means to be rescued from some calamity. What calamity have we been saved from? The calamity that we have been saved from is standing in judgment before God in our sin. So what is sin? Well, the word sin that's used in the scripture is harmatia, hamartia, and it literally means to miss the mark. It was a description of of an archer letting fly an arrow that missed the bullseye. Now, that's the word, that's the, the word sin in the Bible, and, and, and the mark is not a paper target in, in the case of the Bible. It is missing God's law. See, in God's law, He gives us instructions and in righteousness and standards of behavior, and when we fail to be in that law, we step outside the law, we miss the mark. Now, in the Westminster Larger Catechism, sin has been defined as any want of conformity unto or transgression of any law of God given as a rule to the reasonable creature. So it's described first as a want or lack of conformity, is nonconformity to the law of God. It's a sin of omission where we fail to do what God has commanded us to do. If God tells us to do something and we don't do it, we are sinning. And then secondly, it's defined as a transgression of God's law. Now, to transgress is to intentionally pass a boundary or a line to overstep, to go where we're not supposed to go. And sometimes uh, it's translated trespass. Uh, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We have trespassed. We've gone someplace we should not go. God said, thou shalt not, and we did. So if we do something that God says, thou shalt not, or we fail to do something that God tells us to do, in both cases, it's sin. All sin is serious. Even the smallest sin is worthy of the death sentence. Now that said, the Bible is very clear that there are some sins that are weightier or greater than others. For instance, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for omitting the weightier matters of the law, the greater or the more important matters of the law. And he had this warning for the towns of Bethsaida and Chorazin in Matthew 11, verses 20 and following. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they had not repented of their sins and turned to God. What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap and throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. And you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No. You will go down to the place of the dead. For if the miracles I did for you 
had been done in wicked Sodom, it would still be here today. I tell you, even Sodom will be better off on Judgment Day than you. The Bible teaches us that punishment will be proportionately dispensed on the Day of Judgment, in some part based on responsibility. The Bible also teaches us through Jesus and his parable of the talents that rewards are going to be proportionately dispensed for faithfulness to the tasks that God has assigned to us. The Bible takes sin serious because it takes God serious. Now, there's a popular philosophy among us today that people are inherently good. We're just good people. You know, uh, the problem with that is if we're just good people, people are good, then why is sin so universal? To that, they would respond, well, it's, we're, you know, we're affected by our culture. We're affected by our environment. It's our culture's fault that we are the way we are. It's our environment's fault that we are the way we are. Well, if that's the case, then where did it begin? If we were all good from the get-go, where in the world did it begin? And then secondly, if we were naturally good, you think we could find one example of a culture that was good? I mean, maybe some little isolated village that's not been corrupted by the rest of the world. You think we could find some place that would be an example? And do we? No. There is no place. The Bible teaches that Adam and Eve fell in sin and that every descendant of Adam and Eve have been born with a sinful and corrupt nature. It's called the original sin. You see, the original sin um, doesn't primarily refer to the uh, event, but rather the consequence or the result of that event of Adam and Eve choosing to sin. The corruption of the human race and creation. You see, we're sinners not because we sin. Rather, we sin because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. It's from within us. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, the Bible teaches total depravity. Word depravity, corruption, total corruption. And we have to differentiate between the word total and the word utter, because the Bible does not teach utter depravity. We are not utterly as bad as we can be. All of us have a capacity to do more evil than we do. We're not utterly depraved. The Bible doesn't teach utter depravity. It teaches total depravity. What's the difference? Total depravity means that sin has affected every aspect of us. Our spirit, our body, our will, our mind, our thoughts, our words, our deeds. Everything about us is affected by sin. And because of human depravity, we cannot save ourselves. And that brings up the next doctrine in our list today, and that is the necessity of God's grace. We can't save ourselves. We need God's grace. It is by God's grace that salvation 
is possible. It is by God's grace that people can be brought into fellowship with him and avoid judgment. And without God's grace, none of us can. So what do we need to believe about God's grace? That it's God and God alone who can rescue us. Mark Batterson, well-known pastor and a popular author, has written, quote, Why do we act as though our sin disqualifies us from the grace of God? That's the only thing that qualifies us. Anything else is a self-righteous attempt to earn God's grace. You cannot trust God's grace 99%. It's all or nothing. If we try to save ourselves, we forfeit the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ alone by grace, through faith, end quote. If you've just tuned in, we've been listening to Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno take us through a study of the doctrines of the church over the past couple of weeks. The entire series can be downloaded and reviewed when you go to our website at highlands.us. This being Friday, perhaps you'd like to check out the service times for Saturday evening and Sunday. It's all there on the website, or you can call the church at 650-873-4095. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed weekend, and join us again on Monday for more Study Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.